Hello, hello, everyone, and welcome to our 29th episode of A Girl Like Me Live, which is a live interactive series that The Well Project hosts monthly. Um, we focus on different wellness issues that are related to women, HIV, and all different types of topics. Today, I'm so excited to have with me Marnina Miller, and I'm going to give her a chance to introduce herself now. Hello everyone, my name is Marnina Miller. I use she, her, and queen pronouns. I am a black woman who is living and thriving with HIV. I have been living with HIV for the past nine years. I am a human rights activist and a social media influencer. Currently, I am the community outreach associate over at Southern AIDS Coalition, where a lot of my work really revolves around HIV advocacy within the South. And I really fell in love with HIV activism and advocacy work after attending Positive Organizing Project, which is an organization that trained us how to be activists. Um, I currently serve on the board of directors for Positive Women's Network USA. And I am also a member of the Well Project where I am on their community advisory board. Um, for the Youth Cross Borders, I am a youth ambassador and I'm also on their board of directors as well. I create content under my moniker, Marnita the Queen, where I talk about social justice work on Instagram, TikTok, and Facebook. And I've done a lot of amazing shit, stuff over the last couple of years. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it sounds like it. You sound like you got your hands, you know, in a lot of different places. And thank you for your advocacy. Thank you. Thank you for having me on here with you today. Yes, I'm so excited. So we're just going to jump right on in. This conversation is women's sexuality and HIV. Just felt like this was such a great and appropriate time, you know, during Pride Month as we celebrate that you, to bring to the forefront what sexuality is, what that means for women, and what that could even mean for women living with HIV. Um, I keep repeating this because I just found it to be so funny, but not funny, you know, to scroll through your social media. And I've heard you identify yourself and we'll get into that in a moment. But to scroll through your social media and you shared a meme that said, all of my family knows that I'm gay and not one has wished me happy pride month. And I know that it was given in a joking manner, but I felt like it was such a bigger conversation to be had around that not particularly for yourself but you know the acceptance from family or does everyone even know what pride month is what is lgbtq like you know what are these things so i'm just going to jump right in and say would you share with us how you identify on the lgbtq spectrum so I identify as queer along that spectrum. Um, queer is a term that I ran across and I was like, that identifies with me. Cause at first I was like, well, maybe I'm bisexual. Then I was like, mm, I don't know about that. But as I start to like, I guess, matriculate in my gayness, my queerness, I came along the term of queer. It really defines who I am. And um, for folks who may not know, queer is like that, space where you don't identify along a certain gender or sexual identity. And so I really look at queer as being anything that's not heterosexual. So I could date, you know, I've been in relationships with trans men. I've been in relationships with studs. I've been in relationships with feminine presenting women. So, you know, queer just really identifies all that I am and everything that I'm not. Oh, thank you for breaking it down for me because I like I hear the term queer, but I can't say that I've ever been able to explain necessarily what that was. And what I heard you just say is you did some research, like you didn't just go with a label or a title, something that was given to you. You did some research and what identified with you is what you move forward with, you know, and claim for yourself. I love that. I love that. Um, we had had input from our community advisory board, and one of the questions or comments that came through was, like, why can why do we feel that sexuality can be so hard to define in women? 
Oh. You have a, <laughs> some insight on it? Because I got my own thoughts. What you think? I think that our body autonomy as people living with HIV is erased the moment we find out our status or become aware of it. Uh, whether you were born with HIV, whether you know, and you are a dandelion, or whether you are a person that contracted HIV later on in life, once you know and define and are able to speak out about the fact that you're living with HIV, you literally have like body erasure. And I didn't think about the fact that that really applies to women as well. Like our body autonomy is stripped from us the moment we are identifying along the feminine spectrum, whether you are a gay feminine man or whether you are a woman who identifies as a woman born as a woman, a cis woman. So I think once you are along, along that like feminine identity, folks, you no longer have autonomy over your own body. Like you're already talking about thinking and thinking about pregnancy and stuff like that and trying to prevent pregnancy, but nobody talks to you about HIV and STIs. So I think that although we live in this sexualized world, folks don't really want to deal with the consequences that come behind having sex. Oh, I say that all the time. Like, we'll advertise a bar of soap with the, you know, a sexy body, you know, but then when those consequences come, we really don't like to talk about it. I'm thinking, you know, when it comes to women and sexuality, I think the definition period is, I think, what gives so many different perspectives because people may identify those different those terms differently i learned back a while in school like if you have sex with a person of the same sex one time and you decided that's not for you are you now you know considered to be homosexual some people would say yes yes mm -hmm. and forever some people would say no that was an experience you know, and I don't identify as that. And I don't know if we as society give enough room for that, you know, the curiosity or the, you know, experimental things that may happen. And I think that is why it is so hard. <clears throat> You're right, though, because I never thought about the fact that sexuality, ever since I started identifying as queer, I feel like it's fluid, like for the right day the right person, the right week, you you know, you'll be with a different gender. Like if so, the same gender or a different gender, like I know for sure if Michael B. Jordan came here, although I do not date cis men, baby, it'll be me and Michael B. Jordan. Like it'll just be us. Like ain't nobody will know. It'll just be me and my man. <laughs> and so if Beyonce wants to come up to somebody who is heterosexual, be like, let's make out, who gonna turn down Beyonce? <laughs> yeah, who's going to turn down Beyonce? Sexuality is fluid. And I think it's also like this man-made construct that people have embedded in us, especially since we come from like a, a Christian ideology background in this country. And so it was founded on Puritan beliefs. And so I think a lot of times when we add in the fact of like religion, it's a whole nother thing so it's just difficult because even when like before christianity came into spaces pharaohs were having sex with multiple people that were male or female there wasn't really something that folks really talked about or delved on so Ooh. i love you too marissa i love you too <laughs> i'm thinking you just brought in a piece about religion and i think that that is you know, probably a whole nother session or a few. I have myself visited church within the past few months or so. And within the first two sermons, um, you know, just hearing some really disparaging things coming from, you know, leadership's mouth about people who are homosexual. And it just really... It hurt my feelings to be sitting in the audience and to hear that type of rhetoric being spewed. It's like, wow, and this is in a place where it's supposed to be love. Mm -hmm. Wow. 
and I'm sitting on the, um, a, a call the other day, and one of the questions was, what is a candy that reminds you of childhood? So, you know, we start talking about church candy. And for all six of the, you know what I'm talking about when I say church candy? The little candy, the little peppermint. <laughs> the little um the peppermints the strawberry ones or the butterscotch ones uh -huh. like, but the black women on the call were all able to identify like we all knew what was meant when we said church candy mm -hmm. yeah. so that we all had this experience of sitting in church at one point you know in childhood and how influential that entity can be on a person's life and oh. if that type of energy is be given, being given in that space, I can only imagine how impactful that can be on individuals who feel that sexuality is fluid and <clears throat> don't necessarily go with the heteronormative norms that we have, you know, just so heavily uplifted in our culture and society. And it just hurts my heart. As a queer woman, have you ever or is there a time that you've ever been like discriminated against do you find that discrimination comes you know based off of your sexuality or your hiv status it doesn't make a difference when those things are combined have you noticed oh i will firstly say that i've never experienced it outwardly and i think that's my privilege too because I am not easily identif identifiable when you look at me. Like you can't look at me and be like, oh, that's a queer woman. Mm -hmm. um, because of my identity, not only as cis, which gives me privilege, but also my identity as phantom. Because um, when you see studs, you automatically know their sexuality, but I'm able to kind of weave my way into spaces. And so I think that because of that, I haven't experienced any outward stuff where people have been rude to me. But I will say there is no space for Black queer women in HIV. There is not a lot of organizations that cater to us. Um, there isn't spaces where I can go and get support amongst other Black queer women. And so there hasn't been a real um, outreach to that community in a major way within the HIV movement. So in those spaces, I do feel sometimes tokenized and also erased in a way. Oh, wow. That's a lot. So <clears throat> I had it, you know, because that isn't my walk. Thank you for bringing it to me. I didn't realize that, like, where would a queer Black woman go for support? Um, have you found your support like what can community do to help support what is needed for this you know your com your community uh population that of queer black women like that's always my thought what can we do what can we do i hate to hear that um oh gosh <laughs> i'm looking at the comments i'm seeing bridget here wrote that rhetoric is a problem for the church my mama used to say, ain't no Christian like a good Christian. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. I would say that um, in order to be solution oriented, I would have to think on that more. I know that the immediate answer would be to make sure that you are bringing my lived experience into spaces. And when people are creating programming, make or if you are a part of a entity in which you have decision-making power, make sure that you're bringing black queer women into the space. Don't just always advocate for cisgender women because cisgender head women, because there are more than just your identity in the room. Like when you come into a space, it should be all of us included, including trans women. So making sure that we are being inclusive of all identities, not just our own. And so that's what I would say. That was such a great answer. Oh, oh thank you. Oh, no. Am I left on the live by myself? The Well Project shouldn't have did that. I just went, I just <laughs> Ooh, so what is going Don't on? Don't know what happened. <laughs> <laughs> Here I go. <laughs> yes, that's I wonderful. I'm leaving now. <laughs> you didn't, you didn't. 
So <laughs> they quit. They are quoting your your words. They say that's a tweet. Oh. That to be solution oriented, we want to start, you know, thinking of more ways to be inclusive of all communities and identities, not just that of our own. I say tweet it, Bridget. Oh, thank you. <laughs> I was so funny earlier when you left. I was like, now the well project shouldn't have done that. Hey, this my love. <laughs> I'm going to take over the live. <laughs> this is Marissa time. I was about to be a Marlena takeover. Okay. <laughs> um, let's see what else we got going on. So then we started talking about um, like feminine and masculine. I hear these things. I hear them just in passing like a feminine energy or masculine energy. What what are those? Like I can make up in my head what I think that they are, but do you have a better definition and probably what I would spew out? I would say that, and y'all know she did not give me these questions in advance, so I no. don't even know what we talk about today. <laughs> and I'll just play it. Come on, we on the roll. Um, so I would say that for me, I think it's different for everybody. Because for me, like, I'm attracted to masculinity. And for most women to, like, be around, like, a black, an openly black bisexual man, they, they probably wouldn't want them, but I would. Because I'm attracted to the fact that they have masculine and feminine energy. Like, that's a turn on to me. And, like, for me, masculine energy is, I'm such a girl, y'all. Open my door. Um, make sure I'm good. Call me and be like, you know, <laughs> did you get in your apartment nice? And like, just really just, you know, just treat me like the Stepford's wife. Like, treat me like I'm 1950s. I'm cooking and cleaning. Like, that's what I like. Like, make me feel like a girl. Like, mm -hmm. and I like that. And I think that femininity is different, too, for me, because in my version of femininity, women are strong. I've always been around women who were women who were take charge and they you know like black women have always done so you know femininity is different for everybody some people think femininity is just being that step for wife i also think femininity is making sure that your family is taken care of by any means necessary so yeah i've been um you know I've learned that I can define these things on my own. So like, what is feminine? What is masculine? Because, you know, I've struggled with that in my own self most of my life. You know, I have a lot of qualities that to the outward folks, you know, those are masculine qualities such as, you know, my voice or hair growth and my height and all of these things. So like, like, no, this is what feminine is for me. Like, this is what that means for me. And learning that I can stand in that has been powerful um, for me, my self-esteem, my experience here on this earth. So um, thank you for answering those hard questions. You're doing great. <laughs> <laughs> That um, I you out early, like, oh no, I didn't get the question. I'm so <laughs> I mean, I really do think it's different for everybody. Like, I think that like you people think that masculinity can't come from a man who is wearing a crop top, and I absolutely think it can. Like, I've been around so many men who are cisgender gay men, but they are so aggressive and like, baby, you better not touch me because they will knock you through the wall. Like. <laughs> they don't play about me baby they pay my tab i'm a lady they treat me like a lady like when i'm with typically cisgender heterosexual men if they are not trying to sleep with me or they don't think they got a chance they're not paying no tab they're not opening no, no doors girl please <laughs> girl what open your what so i don't know i don't know i think everybody <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm missing all the comments, so let's read Bridget's. Black folks lean towards phobias. They trip out when I say I have and what they about me. I agree with you about the energy, Marina. Uh, this, yeah, I feel like 
you know, in certain conversations that I've had with family members, there's no such thing as a bisexual man. Like I've heard that. I've heard that, you know, women can be bisexual, but men can't. And I'm trying to, like, how does that make sense in your head? But, you know, that's how, what they believe. And I'm not here on trying to change the belief system of anyone just standing very firm that we all get to choose our own. And it's not, you, you can't come and rain on anybody else's, you know, parade. So, Marissa said, girl, we need to get you some new cisgender um, friends. <laughs> the, the ones I meet are trash, honey. Maybe they, maybe the cishead women I know just be, ooh, child, stressing me out. <laughs> um, she also said, earlier, it makes me think of corporate America, and this makes me question that people the people that are running things are they ensuring folks are made to feel comfortable to live openly in their queerness in the workspace mm. i don't think so i don't think that um they make it safe they don't make it safe they don't make um they say they will capitalize and you know we do live in a corporate red world and people are always looking at bottom lines. That's the reason why during Pride Month, everybody has something with a rainbow on it because it's capitalism. And that's all they care about is the money that they get from certain things. So I definitely would have to agree. Like, I do not, like, yeah. Yeah, wow. Um, you've mentioned tokenization a couple of times in this conversation. And, you know, that can really be a thing within you know the hiv community and without outside of the hiv community and i think that one to be solution oriented as you you've introduced into the conversation is continuing to build you know leadership and bringing on more folks to truly be inclusive the way that we intend and say that we want to be so not just the one person you know not the two folks but bringing in folks that can actually voice their needs what's concerns desires the needs of the community will be met then because we're actually leading with community in a sense so yes um i want to bring up another question that was posed um or a comment by bridget previously so having to disclose while sometimes uncomfortable and annoying has also given me a sense of power over my sex life and the power dynamic do either of you feel that way why or why not now i gave you this question you did <laughs> i'll go first though to give you a chance to bring it back around <laughs> so Yes, me disclosing has, um, it makes me feel like I got power over my sex life and over this situation, period. And I know that my disclosure methods are probably different than other folks, because I like to say it from the beginning, go ahead and weed them folks out the way, the ones that's not going to stay around. Look, I'm living with HIV. This is what it is. Duh, duh, duh. And if they've accepted it past that point, then we can move forward. But now that I've disclosed and I've been able to get that off of my back, like it just makes me feel so much more freer. And then knowing that the person wants me after knowing their status and willing to learn and willing to do the things that they need to do, you know, to ensure that they are taking care of themselves over there. Like, it's just something so sexy about that. And it just, it, it feels liberating. And I don't know, I'm I'm grateful for the experiences that I've had on both sides. Because mm -hmm. I've disclosed and people have not wanted to hear nothing else, you know, past that. But then I've disclosed in other times and they've stayed around. So... Yeah, I feel like I got the power in my hands. But mm -hmm. you, wait, Destiny said, now I'm on a my man, my man, my man face. Yo, she gets on my nerves. 
<laughs> I told her that when we were at high deck. I, I call her. That's what I call her. I be like, I don't even call her Destiny. I call her my man, my man, my man. <laughs> I was like, who is this destiny? She said, Oh, I'm grown. I said, Okay, you're right. <laughs> okay, it's been mentioned about the US self having more stigma around sexuality in part due to religion. But I also think of how geography impacts people being able to represent their full selves due to anti LGBTQ laws in the US and also internationally, like Uganda, for example. Yeah. So uh, international, like I do feel like a lot of times my scope is here because that's where I am, and not taking into account that it could be much worse in many different areas depending on where we lived in this world. Um, thank you for raising that point, Krista. Thank you so much. Um, I think stigma is huge in the South. I think. I come from a mother who was, I call her a Jesus freak because <laughs> she is really into Jesus. Baby, that's her boyfriend. That's her man. That's her husband. Like, Jesus is in her and she's with Jesus. <laughs> like, she really loves church, baby. She got, <laughs> like, she has my niece right now that's five. And my niece is like, I go to church with G Mama all the time. <laughs> It is hilarious. <laughs> so, like, I, my sister, I said, by the time you get your baby back, she's going to be a six-year-old missionary. My mom had to unlearn a lot of stuff in order to, like, on a serious note, she had to unlearn a lot of stuff in order to be a better mother for me. And I think that, you know, motherhood doesn't come with a manual. And she's done a hell of a job, like, unpacking, unlearning, all the stuff she was taught as a girl from rural Arkansas. And so, you know, she's the first in her family to finish college. Like, it's just so many different things that, as a woman coming from that area, now having a daughter who is not only talking about I'm living with HIV, but also talking about the fact that she is um, queer. So like she got to deal with all of these dynamics at the same time. And so I think it was really cool for my mom to be able to come to the terms of knowing that a lot of the stuff she said to me was wrong about my sexuality and that there's nothing wrong with what I love and who I love and as long as I'm happy, and it took her a while to get to that point. And I think it takes a lot of parents of queer kids or LGBTQ kids to come to terms with the fact that their child is not a heteronormative heterosexual. Wow. I love that you give your mom so much grace and kudos in that. And that unpacking is real. It Very is. Real. And I feel like I'll speak from my own self, like being in this generation in my family where I'm able to start turning some of those wheels and like start breaking some of these historically um, oppressive thoughts and beliefs that may have existed here. Like I understand the power that I have within myself to educate myself, those around me and my kids. And then hopefully, you know, as the generations move on and on, you know, we're going to be all right. Those things will be less present. Um, Bose just wrote that in her region, this is, and she, you know, she's from Nigeria, and mm -hmm. there no topic of discussion in this region where I'm from. So I can only imagine how oppressive that can probably feel mm -hmm. to not be able to have this discussion about you know, how you want to identify or how you identify, not having the support to do so. That's sad. I couldn't even, 
imagine being in that space. I couldn't imagine not knowing other people that identified like I do or openly being able to without the fear of possibly being killed and somebody being allowed to kill me due to because there are spaces and places where folks due to laws are hanged for their sexuality. So even though I may identify alongside all of these identities that are marginalized, we have so much power and so much more power than most people around the world that don't have that. And so I'm always really grateful to know that things can change and I think they will. I'm a hopeless optimist. I love that. I love that. I love that. Um, let's see. Olivia's comment had flashed across the screen a little moment ago. So I think it's white supremacy more than religion itself forcing folks to tear each other down in the name of conforming and being proper or else. It's not Jesus' fault. And I'm not even religious. <laughs> <laughs> I love Olivia's comments. <laughs> I, think too, it's, it, I think it is anti-blackness too because they're forcing white supremacy down our throats with religion and there's been so much that has happened with like black people and since we came to this country around religion and even them taking our religion from us like and forcing another you know us to conform to other identities it's just been a lot i think within black culture and a lot of trauma around sex period whether it is being forced to have babies being, you know, sexually touched, molested and stuff by, you know, all these folks on the plantations and then the buck breaking that happened when they would, you know, sexually assault our men. I think we have a lot of sexual trauma that lies within our DNA. Oh, ooh. when you talk about trauma, like I get, I was triggered. My thoughts went to, you know, the trauma that of abuse that I experienced when I was younger and how that played into my sexuality for so long. Like being afraid to ask questions or being afraid to have certain conversations because of, A, is it like, does my identity change? Like, is this how I'm seen now? Is this who I am? Even though then having to admit to like the shame and the guilt that the experiences ever happened. And then you kind of just carried it. And it's like trying to grow and heal around wounds that are not clean. Like they need to be addressed, cleaned out. And then we can begin the healing process and then move forward. Um, that really resonated with me. But think about, and I'm a really, I'm a really getting your mind. Think about all of the black women before us that experienced that type of trauma. So, like, imagine alongside your bloodline, somebody else experienced that. Because what I, what I, what I was taught and what I learned in psychology is that PTSD really got the name from the Holocaust survivors, and they were able to look at the DNA of folks who their ancestors were in ostrich and all these different concentration camps and they were able to link that type of PTSD inside their DNA along their great-grandchildren so like think about all of the women whose trauma that we carry around that we now have to because women only get a certain amount of eggs and that baby becomes you know what I mean that DNA is constantly passed down through our lineage so I think about all of the women who I am now healing when I heal myself. Oh, I loved it. Bridget, are you catching this? There was another tweet. <laughs> How many people are you healing? <laughs> yeah, I loved it. Like, bro. Yeah, because they, whew, it's so, it can be so heavy. And then not having the space to get that out and acknowledge it. Like, I, I can't imagine how both say saying that it's a bill over there to criminalize anyone or group support in same sex or any other sexuality. Like it's a crime. That's yeah, it just became a crime. They just passed this legislation over in Nigeria and other, and in other African countries. 
they're trying to and then they not only do that but then they kill the activists that are out talking about lgbtq issues like it's real in these african countries and that stuff is also within radicalists with inside of the united states as well so whew. but on a happy note can we talk, let's i want to talk about something happy let's yeah i was oh yeah because we was about to go right back what you gonna say? Tell me so I can know. Bridget, it makes me so sad and feel so disheartened to, that so many of us as black women have experienced sexual trauma in the form of molestation. We are so unprotected. And Olivia followed that up with says, so, so true about trauma. And perpetrators of sexual abuse are generally survivors themselves and need healing they never got. And it's this cycle and this cycle. And how I feel like all of this connects for me, the sexuality, being a woman living with HIV, is that that trauma that I experienced in my childhood is what caused my sexual behaviors in my teenagehood. Mm-hmm. And that is what led me to my HIV diagnosis. That's how all of those things tie back around for me. It was sort of a sense of taking my power back. It was a sense of, um, you know, this is... This is the way people are loving me. You know, this is love, right? When you have sex with folks. So 17, 18-year-old Cece, that meant that they loved me. Um, and having those things misconstrued and then not having the knowledge coupled with that, that I was actually um, doing things that could acquire HIV. I was having sex. I was having unprotected sex with folks that I didn't know their status. And that eventually led me to this HIV diagnosis at 20. And I just, I think now, cause I'm like 15 years into it, how I have done my entire adulthood with HIV. So unpacking all of that trauma on top of the HIV diagnosis, on top of real life, which doesn't stop once you get diagnosed, has been extremely challenging. And having a support, like a community of support, just women from different varying backgrounds and experiences has been life-changing for me, honestly. And I found that in the Well Project. That was really deep. <laughs> you did you went really deep on me um that's amazing though like when i think about like liberation for me and for all of us i think of us being able to do what we want when we want how we want without folks ever bringing up our status like that's what would make me so freaking happy like i don't want to have to disclose to you and me like the labor of it all of me not only telling you my step first of all i work in hiv so i gotta deal with it all day then gotta come home and explain to you what hiv is like i'm constantly teaching like i want to come into something i don't even have to do no teaching i just want it all done <laughs> but i will say that i have found like it is real liberating for me like my status has made me more sexually aware and made me think about sex in a different way and so it's been really i'm having some really good sex let's say that i've had some real good real good sex (laughs) (laughs) tell us tell us about it no no don't tell us I'm just gonna say it's been really liberating because it's my body. I now know that this is my body. I have control of what goes with it, what goes, you know what I mean? And this this is me. Either you like it, you take it or leave it, baby. That's it. So I've been having a real good having somebody tell us. I love that. I just went up today. You is getting we is real raw form. <laughs> This is great. Wait, wait. Look, the Well Project said, "Go for it." Sex <laughs> taking power back. <laughs> is here for it. 
as of this conversation, like, first of all, I'm grown now. So this is not BT if the dark, y'all are. What you know about BET if the dark, first of all? But, okay, she's so rough. Like, girl, did you watch Uncut? I used to watch Uncut. Yes, I used See, what was I doing watching Uncut? Like, it was a reason that they had separated their joint out. I was really young still, you know, but that was back then. <laughs> I'm trying to act better in my older years, you know. She said, don't do that. But this conversation, like, since I'm grown now, I can talk about sex. Like, sex isn't a shameful thing now. Like, I can have open conversations. People know that I'm doing it. That's the first thing that comes to my head. When you get pregnant, well, when I got pregnant, it was automatically, oh, she's having sex. Yes, I'm having sex. I just broke Zion's heart the other day when he found out that Zuri was not born via in vitro fertilization. Oh. Why did you think that? I saw that note. I I maybe he just didn't want to come to terms that it is what could have been. But once he figured it out, his heart was so broken. <laughs> I don't know. He thought his mind was pure. <laughs> I broke my baby heart. But even those conversations, immaculate conception, you're very <laughs> Like, oh, now I didn't know that he didn't know. Um, but I I can tie that back to my childhood while maybe some conversations weren't had with me because they just felt like I knew already or that it didn't need to be had. And you know how quick it is to, um, <laughs> how quick, how easy it is to point and say, mom and dad, you didn't do this. And then now I'm in the same boat. Like, oh, wow. This came around really quickly. I thought that, thought you know that babies came. This is one way that babies came. <laughs> but <laughs> that was great. But I love just being able to have these conversations and learning that gender and sexual identity can be fluid and all of these things because that goes against everything that I've ever taught or was taught. Um, and open in my mind and it feels good and it allows room for to learn more like I don't know everything there are people's experiences that are different than my own that are important so thank you for being so willing to you know share so much of yourself today um let's say uh, Chris uh, said, where's Kim at? Where she's trying to say it? Because this is Kim's areas. This sex really? Yes, Kim. She does a lot of sex and pleasure work. Um, For those of you who may not know, she's Kim is one of our community advisory board members as well. So is Destiny. Um, She says she's very open and transparent with her children, though they are young. But this is when I soak when they soak up so much and lock it in. Yes, yes, yes. Um, Krista's giving kudos to Bose in the comments because Bose does a lot of great work in her community um, in Nigeria. And she's so glad to have her a part of the community. I just love the World Project. So, hey, you know, lovely. Um, Yes, and now we're going to change gears a little bit and go into Heather's um, input and what she wanted to bring up during this conversation. And what that says is I feel like this question gets asked all the time, but do people who menstruate need to worry about menstruation during particularly unprotected sex while unprotected? No, and so... I typically tell my partners, especially the women, I tell them the rate of transmission between women who have sex with women um, is virtually impossible due to me being undetectable. Uh, as long as a person is on their medication for six months or longer and they reach an undetectable viral load, which means it could mean either 200 all the way as low as 20 copies or less of HIV in their uh, viral loads cannot transmit to your sexual partners. And so I let them know that although uh, 
I although I'm living with HIV, I'm undetectable. I can't transmit to you. And so we also go to my doctors as well. And so I think while it is always a good practice to, you know, use all the tools in your toolbox. There's prep, there is dental dams, you know, the little fabric that you can put over the labia to lick it. You know, there's so many different ways to engage in the sex, you know, so I would say make sure you are also taking care of yourself because, you know, you can have prep in your full pill box. You can also have PEP, which is post-exposure prophylaxis if you had sex with somebody living with HIV or someone you don't know their HIV status. So there's so many different ways to go around it. Yes. Really no, you can't get it while I'm on my period. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> because you equals you. Undetectable equals untransmittable. Thank you for doing such a great job and breaking that down. Um, Bridget had also responded with the same response, which was one from another resource that says that the bodily fluids of someone living with HIV are likely to have no detectable virus. So uh, that is where we'll leave that one at. <clears throat> Let's see. Oh, destiny. <laughs> destiny. <laughs> destiny. <laughs> I wish that you all could see this. <laughs> her emojis. I love that she said that she just took her kids to their <laughs> first pride parade and party at her job. And that oh. I think that's a great way to get kids introduced into the community and to become advocates and activists themselves if that's what the family chooses. For them to do. I loved it. I loved it. Look at Heather. You, this you, Marnina. They all in the comments acting out. Look at this. What's she saying? I'm not good because I know we be having period sex. I do. <laughs> <laughs> and do. Baby. You ain't never had no love until you had love on your period. <laughs> Oh, oh, yeah. Yes. Okay. See, it don't stop because somebody got their period. Like, girl, what? I love that we could talk like this because you know it's probably a group of folks out there that think that women living with HIV don't have sex. Why do they think that? Why do they think you just automatically stop? <laughs> I I got a call <laughs> like ten minutes that looked like real good conversation. I'm gonna have to come back and watch the replay. <laughs> Absolutely. Oh, I love you too, Marissa. Absolutely. Yes, I love you too, sis. Please come back and watch the replay because Marnina, she ain't she over here wild. <laughs> Bridget, I love that we do this. These conversations are liberating and necessary. The Well Project is breaking down barriers and inspiring pleasure. Absolutely. Um, I know that from my role as program manager here, that definitely hear and listen to the feedback. And while the Well Project is great at, you know, the inclusivity, we're working very hard, I'll say, of all different, you know, women across the gender spectrum. Thank you for showing up for this episode during Pride Month. And thank you for voicing those things that we should just continue to be aware of to make sure that we are including, you know, all of our folks. Um, yay, our evaluation. You can find the evaluation link right here in the comment section Please, y'all, we're on episode 29. We've done 29 episodes of A Girl Like Me Live, which is no small feat. And it's only because of you, our community, our community advisory board members, all of our co-hosts. So if you could just take a moment to fill out our evaluation, let us know what topics you want to hear about. If you found the topics that we talked about today to be helpful please just let us know so that we can continue to serve you um 
Yes, thank you, Destiny, for joining us. I'm not sure, Marnina, if you have anything that you would like to end the conversation on. Is there anything that you would like to offer to the audience before we head on out of here? Um, I would say sexuality is fluid and you should always go into everything with an open mind and an open heart. Um, make sure that you are advocating for those who may not identify as you do and where you have more privilege, use it. Oh, and you can find me on all social media platforms, Marnie the Queen. <laughs> yes, because your pronouns are she, her, and queen. I absolutely love it. I want to thank everyone for joining us today for our 29th episode of A Girl Like Me Live. It's been such a pleasure to sit down and speak with you, Marnina. Thank you, everyone who has joined in the comments. Make sure you check out some of the resources that have been laid out for you in the comment section. And with that being said, we're going to go ahead and close out. I hope you all have a good day. Bye-bye.